0: The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball.
1: Diego ready to
2: go with the first pitch on its way.
0: Swing and a line drive left side of the infield.
1: Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series
3: as they knock off the New York Yankees 2 1.
0: Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game.
1: Just a swing and a drive. Hit well in the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arena, number 10 of the postseason. It's
3: one nothing Rays.
4: Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our show. Today we'll hear from Joey Wendell about being one of the veteran leaders with the Rays. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will join us from New York. Brent Honeywell looks back at his mem- memorable Major League debut. Justin Sewell will be alongside to discuss mental performance. And Ben Wagner of the Blue Jays broadcast team will join us to discuss Toronto. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us right now is one of the veterans of the race, and that being Joey Wendell. And Joey, it's almost weird to say that. You're in your fourth year with Tampa Bay to call you one of the veterans, but it really is true.
2: You know, I I don't know that I would consider myself a a, a veteran, but maybe on this team, you know, there there seems to be a good bit of turnover in, in this is my fourth year in a row here so uh you know I'm, I'm thankful to have been here as long as i have and uh seen a lot a lot of good players kind of kind of come and go so i, I guess in some sense the really, word, it does uh, does make me a veteran
4: with that this what comes with that in terms of how you handle yourself in the clubhouse how you try and acclimate new players because as you mentioned there is turnover and the race here in the first you know 10 days to two weeks of the season in large part due to injury have used more players already than anybody in the league
2: sure i, I mean you know I, I don't know that i change have changed that much from year to year i mean I, i've always kind of just been somebody who, who for the most part tries to keep their head down and get their work done you know if if i've become you know a leader or whatever over the past couple of years it's you know not i don't think because uh you know i'm a vocal very vocal person but um you know just you know, like I said, try to come in, get my work done, uh, set a good example and lead from a a little bit of experience that I have and kind of help maybe some of the younger players just feel comfortable or get acclimated or, you know, answer some questions they might have here and there.
4: You may not have changed a lot, but a lot has changed around you, Joey. I mean, you are a father of two now. You've got two young sons. Does being a dad, has that changed you at all? Or has it helped maybe with mentoring younger players, maybe just being the older guy now?
2: Well, it's definitely changed me. I mean, I don't know that anybody has become a father and have it not changed them. But, yeah, I have have two boys now. My oldest will be three in, in just over a month, and my youngest just turned one in February. So, yeah, probably a little less sleep here and there and maybe a little bit more uh, more fatigue sometimes. But, but no, I mean, yeah, I think if anything, has changed me for the better. And it's uh, it's always such a nice reset, you know, when I can – come home to to my family and to my kids and to my wife and you know it really helps me to kind of leave stuff that happens at the field at the field and and be able to kind of separate those two worlds
4: do you see uh, a little bit of jack and luke and you i know they're still young and i know you know you're talking one and not yet three but you probably are starting to see a lot more personality.
2: Yeah, well, they're they're wild, so um, you know. And, and my mother tells me I was, uh, you know, not the tamest of children either. So, but but they're both so much fun. And uh, yeah, my, my oldest definitely resembles me. Looks a lot like me. And and my youngest is. I mean, he's he's already picking up bats and hitting the ball off the tee. So I guess he probably. I don't know. Maybe picked that up for me as well. So yeah, they, they do certainly resemble me in some in some way shape or form
4: you talk about the way you were a kid but you always seem so mild mannered and reserved at least on the field but then we hear the the back and forth that you've had with kevin cash over the years who talks it up more you or him
2: you know i think it's more just kind of he tries to make me feel bad about myself and then i just try to encourage him uh that's kind of how i see the dynamic anyway but no he yeah we're, we're always kind of going back and forth yeah and in terms of being mild-mannered i, I mean you know just just how i play i feel like you know i'm i'm the best i perform the best when i'm even keel I, I think you know you start to get too high with the highs or too low with the lows then you know you're prone to make mistakes and i think for me the the you know i know that i perform the best when i'm even keel so you know i make it a goal of mine to uh to kind of remain that way throughout the game and throughout the season how do you do that from a mental
4: st- are there certain things cues that you look for or things that you do to try and slow down moments that maybe you're better off at now than you were Years ago,
2: sure. I mean, I think you know, a big part of it is, like I said, I mean, having the the knowledge of that is how I play the best. So I, I know when I my emotions start to, you know, maybe get up or down, that um, it'll just be a little bit of a check for myself to know that, for me personally, like I'm I'm just at my best, you know, an even keel. And then also just, you know, in moments in the game or, you know, when the pressure is high or when I'm struggling or when I'm when I'm playing particularly well, I'm, I'm comforted by my faith, my faith in Jesus Christ. And by knowing that um, what happens on the field is not something that that defines me. And I believe I'm, you know, I'm defined way more by by what Christ has done on the cross than what I can do on the baseball field. so. For me having something like that having something that's eternal and having something that that is absolute like that for me is is something that helps me kind of just keep that even keel and keep you know grounded and 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 based in something that i believe to be true
4: joey i know you're a, a leader in team chapel as well were you always that way or is this something that evolved during your professional career
2: uh, i i came to christ when i was uh when i was in college and uh, i always i always grew up in a church but um, i believe when when I was in college, was when that that relationship became something more than just a, just a head knowledge. So, uh, so yeah, I've always been involved in chapel. It's it's such a great great organization. I've been blessed with some some great chaplains and some incredible teammates throughout the years. Yeah, I mean it's it's really neat. There's there's a chapel chaplain in. Every single minor league team, you know, every single Dominican summer league, whatever it is, there's there's a chaplain there making sure the, the, the men of, of Christian faith who, who want to express that on, on Sunday morning have a, have a chapel to go to. And a lot of times, uh, you know, there will be a, a midweek Bible study as well.
4: You mentioned that, you know, obviously because of that, baseball doesn't define you, but you did get an American League championship ring this week. What did that mean to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's to share that moment and kind of uh, get to, get a chance to, to relive it a little bit. The other day, they showed us a video when we got the rings, and uh, when it was happening, it was just, we were just on the field playing baseball, and, and for me, I was just really trying to keep it at that, trying not to let any of the noise around us distract me or anything like that. And, you know, I probably didn't take enough time uh, when the season was over to kind of look at the run and look at what we had done and, you know, watch some videos or whatever it may be. So it was cool to be there with my teammates that that, we shared that run with and to kind of commemorate the season obviously you know we were two games short at the end of the year but uh, an american league pennant is uh is something special no matter how you slice it so you know that that's uh that's something that i'll cherish and you know hopefully we'll find a, a pretty cool spot in the house for that ring
4: we're chatting with joey wendell in this week in race baseball joey what have been your best moments with the rays in in this
2: game gosh i mean there, there's been so many i mean i think of in 19, making the making the playoffs for the first time. Like I said before, just, just being able to share that with your teammates and, and being able to celebrate in those those moments. And what I love about the Rays is there's no egos. There's no – it doesn't seem like there's these veterans who kind of look down on the rookies or, you know, vice versa. There's really no separation. It's just every single team that I've been on has – we've kind of gelled right from the beginning, and I think that's, you know, kind of the – the atmosphere that we're trying to develop here. Um, so you know, make, making the playoffs, winning that wild card game in '19 was awesome. And then I think anything would hold a candle to to our run last year, though, and, and beating the J, uh, you know, the Blue Jays and the Astros and the Yankees. I mean, just just that run through the playoffs, um, as odd as it was, being in a bubble and being limited or no fans you know looking back at that i mean that's got to be probably the most special moment i've had as a ray
4: you mentioned i think last week that you don't care who you're beating willie adamas said he gets up a little bit more for the yankees you're playing the yankees this weekend does it mean it doesn't mean any more to you after all the stuff that's gone on between the two of you
2: for me like once i let it be more than Than just a baseball game. Then you start to put too much weight on that game. You start to put too much weight on on a particular at bat or something like that. And obviously the Yankees are are a very good team. Every single time we play them, we know it's going to be a good game. But you know, I I don't want to. For me, I don't want to elevate that game against them to you know over any other team that we play because over the course of 162, every single game is counted equal, Um, and every single game counts at the end of the year. So yeah, like I said, like I do love to beat the Yankees, but. I don't know that I'd love to beat them any more than i than I love to beat anybody else, honestly. I just, you know, I like winning baseball games, and, you know, I try to keep the, the personal stuff out of it for the most part.
4: That's not easy to do because you are human, and, and look, you got hit last year by Tanaka in that same game where uh, Mike Brasso got thrown up in in at, and it was last weekend that you got, you know, hit again, and, and we're very fortunate because that was right at the head. What was your take on all all the the hit batsmen, and and what would you like to see done if anything to stop it?
2: I mean, I think when you when when you look at them and look at the situation of of all those that happened, I, I don't believe any of them to have been intentional. I mean, uh, I don't believe that I got hit in the head intentionally. I don't believe Zanino got hit in the shoulders. You know, uh, I I don't think that that there was intent behind any of them. So I, I think that does that does count for something. Obviously, if the, you know if if they're head hunting that's something you don't want to see but i don't i don't believe that to be the case there i think it was four isolated incidents that that were unfortunate you know but on on the same hand you know intent doesn't doesn't always matter so you know we we got a little chippy we got a little uh i think understandably upset after Meadows got hit the uh you know for the third time in the series and uh you know i I don't know if there if there's anything to be done. Uh, I think it's just uh, you know an unfortunate season, and I think uh, you know we were we were looking to you know kind of put last year behind us and come out and, and let the the play on the field uh, kind of speak for itself. And I think we did a good job doing that in the first series, taking two or three from them.
4: And I think you have done a good job also just taking care of things on the field too. Where do you think you've grown? from a year ago i know you put in a lot of work this off season to get better
2: you know every every off season you know you take a little bit of time to evaluate that season kind of what went what went well what went poorly what you need to what you need to work on and every year you kind of come back with you know various various things that you're you're working on for me i'd like to i'd like to drive the ball a little better you know and i'd like to Work on my arm strength from the left side of the infield, which is, uh, to date, uh, the only place I've played in the infield this year. So, did a couple things in the off season, made some adjustments, and was able to kind of, you know, kind of see the fruits of that so far. So, uh, but it's a long season, and I think, uh, you know, just maintaining health, maintaining your, your your physical conditioning, as well as taking care of the little things off the field, make sure you're you're eating well, sleeping well, do it, you know, doing all those little things are important over the course of 162. So. Um, you know, that's that's always a focus This reiteration of of making sure you're doing the little things, right?
4: What would be the slight adjustments that maybe we can't notice or the average fan can't notice? that you've made with your swing because I know you've tried to add a little bit more ball in the air a little more loft
2: I mean, I, I think my stance has changed. I think my hand positioning has changed and and my grip has changed a little bit I mean, I don't think you're going to notice any any huge differences and huge changes um, hopefully other than maybe the ball Getting driven into the gaps a little bit. I don't think uh, I I wanted to go into the season making any big adjustments. So if you don't if you don't notice any huge differences, then you know uh, that's probably a good thing. It means I I didn't change too much. But you know, there's always ways you're looking to get better. I'm always a student of the game, trying to learn things and and trying to improve my game, better myself as a player.
4: And Joey, I I think you know you've always been one to stay focused on the team. When do you really know a team is good? I mean, you know this team has a lot of talent, but when do you know in a 162-game schedule, because last year it was just 60, that a team is really on that right path, that it's headed toward hopefully another postseason?
2: Yeah, well, I think you know at the end of the season if you're going to the postseason or not. That's, that's a pretty good indicator. You, you can be as good as you want in spring training as good as you want on paper, but inst- until that manifests itself into something that, you know, is real and is tangible at the end of the season, uh, like a, like a playoff berth, then you know, it, you can't really say that you were good or as good as you want it to be. So, I mean, obviously that's our goal at the end of the regular season, and then our goal at the end of the, you know, if we, if we get to the postseason, the goal at the end of the postseason is to, is to win the last game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we're, we're confident in where we are now, and, you know, we're not at a great start, but also not a horrible start. So we're, we're so early into the season, and I think, uh, you know, I think we'll get stronger as we go.
4: I guess I was talking more clubhouse. Like there's stuff that we can't see that you can see. Do you get like a feeling like in 19, hey, this is gonna be a special group? When do you kind of really feel that?
2: I don't know if there's like a specific time or a specific date, I mean, I mean, we think it's a special group right now i mean if if we didn't think it was a, a special group capable of of winning baseball games then I, I don't know i guess what what are we doing here you know what, what what's you know so I, I think uh i think every year we come in with that mentality every year we come in thinking that it's going to be a special group and it's going to be a you know it's going to be a good, good year, and, and there's so much talent and so much, you know, veteran leadership that we have this year, and so much young talent and so much depth that we have, and you know I think uh, we're we're built more for for 162 than we were for 60, and so that's encouraging for us and encouraging for me just to kind of see how things themselves throughout the year and see you know where the season takes us.
4: Well, let's hope it takes this group really far. Joey, thanks for a few minutes. Early happy birthday to you, and uh, hopefully a great season ahead.
2: Happy! Oh, yeah, it is is coming up. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs)
4: That's Joey Wendell joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. More after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball. Joining me now from New York, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And Topper, you've seen some interesting things in New York, and we're not talking people watching. We're talking at Yankee Stadium the last couple days.
3: Exactly, Neil. It's uh, been an interesting couple days. Obviously, uh, Friday night with the um, welcome gift of baseball being thrown on the field that the fans gave the Rays in the eighth inning or so was was certainly one of the weirder things. And then Tyler Glass. Now, yesterday, I mean, honestly, I thought he was seriously hurt. I didn't know if he had like broken his wrist or somehow or dislocated his wrist. And then he kind of grabbed his leg and jumped around a little bit. Maybe he hurt his knee and. It turns out it was no more than a cramp, um, and, and yet something that uh, certainly his own teammates even had a little fun with later. Joey Wendell saying it reminds him of Jim Carrey in the Liar Liar movie.
4: I did think that was very amusing. Uh, you know, you're you're in New York while the Yankees are struggling. What's been what have you, what's been the buzz there with them being five and nine when everyone's picking them to be the the team in the American League.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's already made people mad here. They're not going to be able to win 153 games, at least. We know that since they've already lost nine. So, uh, look, we, we thought people around Tampa Bay were, were a little frustrated with the Rays' slow start and, and how they were reacting to some of the things that, um, you know, the way the Rays played, like losing three straight to the Rangers. That's nothing about what's going on up here, Neil. You truly would think that they were, you know, 10 and 40 or something like that and just buried for the season. People are – Really upset. They're booing some of the players. Uh, Their voice, their displeasure, obviously, on on social media, on radio, in the newspapers, everywhere you look. uh, People are really down on the Yankees wondering, like, how can they be this bad? And, you know, the fact that it's only two weeks, two and a half weeks into the season is not uh, a factor in that equation up here for sure.
4: And it shows how quickly things can change, because obviously there were a lot of folks concerned when the Rays lost uh, a series to the Texas Rangers, who actually beat the Blue Jays, who the Rays will see next weekend, too, in a series. Uh, and lo and behold, they've now won uh, yet another series in New York That success in that ballpark and against the Yankees continues.
3: It is, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, they've now you know got six straight series won, and they... Um, Excuse me, and the playoff series as well. So seven, if you want to count that one. Uh, They've won what is it, 13 of the last 17 regular season games, and then three and two in the ALDS. So, you know, this is a rivalry that for such a really, really long time was so one-sided the other way, and now here we are seeing the Rays enjoying a little bit of a run on the top. This goes back to September of 2019. Obviously, they dominated last year. Look, the Rays aren't going to say this. They shouldn't say it out loud. I'm sure it wouldn't be smart to, but. Last year, they dominated the Yankees here where there were no fans. I'm sure they're enjoying a little bit more, uh, even though it's only 20% capacity. It's a pretty loud 10,000 people here, and I'm sure the Rays are enjoying uh, the way it's gone so far, as long as they're not getting balls thrown at them.
4: Yes, I would agree with that. And you wrote a bit today in the Tampa Bay Times about Tyler Glass. Now, it's been some week for him. I actually was more impressed with his start yesterday when he didn't have his best stuff than when he struck out 14 against Texas earlier in the week.
3: Well, it's an interesting way to look at it, Neil, because certainly what he did on Monday was very flashy with the 14 strikeouts and, and, you know, maybe even carrying a no hitter, you know, what was it into the fourth inning or so or, uh, but he did show something yesterday. Kevin Cash noted that and actually talked to one of his former teammates today, uh, Jamison Tyon with the Yankees now, former Pirates teammate. And he kind of made the same point also that, you know, that start probably gets away from a younger Tyler Glass now. But this Tyler Glass now is a more mature Tyler Glass now. He's a better Tyler Glass now. He's better equipped. And it was a weird moment. And just, you know, Neil, I mean, you know, think of yourself standing on a mound in front of, you know, 10,000 people and a TV audience. And suddenly your hand starts cramping up and you don't know what to do. And you're kind of freaking out there for a minute. And, you know, he had to keep it together and really wanted to stay in the game. He got the opportunity he did. So he did definitely show something. Maybe more from the the mental side yesterday, whereas we've seen the physical tools.
4: No doubt. And speaking of keeping it together, you you wrote about it today in The Times. It was your big piece. It was on Yoshi and the struggles that he's undergone and that he kind of is in a position where you're thinking he's got to produce sooner than later.
3: I think he does, Neil. I mean, look, the Rays had grand expectations when they signed him uh, going into the 2020 season, an all-star player in Japan, a great track record, a power hitter. Uh, We knew at the time there have been very few power hitters that have come over from Japan and succeeded here in the majors. Not many have tried, only really Matsui is probably the one that you would say really has been a total success in doing so. And it hasn't worked for Yoshi Tsutsugo for a number of reasons. Kevin Cash is very quick to point out that You know, the challenges that he would have faced in a normal 2020 season were immense, and then you add in everything to do with the pandemic and the protocols and and all that and how how that multiplied it. But, look, it was a new year this spring, a a normal spring, essentially. The Rays were very optimistic with some of the things uh, Yoshi showed when G-Man Choi got hurt. They asked him to play first base. They were happy with how he played. There was a lot of excitement going into the year that they were going to build his confidence. They put him in the leadoff spot, put him in the lineup at first base, and, look, it took maybe a week, a week and a half. The game sped up on him defensively. We saw him, you know, being hesitant, and maybe being a step in the wrong spot on a couple of plays. So he's kind of lost his first base job. He's striking out at a ridiculously high rate. 40% of his bats have ended in strikeouts, which is obviously way too high. So, he's got a little bit of time here. I mean, Kiermaier coming back probably puts him on the bench most days now anyway. And when G-Man Choi comes back early to mid-May, Neil, I, I don't know where there's going to be a roster spot for him unless – you know, Yoshi Go if he doesn't turn it around, I think the Rays would have to seriously look at either you know, seeing if he would agree to go down to the minors, which would be playing by then, or uh, they'd have to consider releasing him and, and obviously eating the rest of the money. If A trade would seem unlikely, right?
4: It certainly would, Mark, and I, and, uh, I welcome people to read your, your story today in the Tampa Bay Times and uh, all your coverage uh, throughout the year. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time up in New York.
3: I will Neil and uh I, I will look for the Neil Solon clip alike if I go by Times Square
4: tonight. All right, you do that. That's Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Before we continue on this week in Race Baseball, let's pause for station identification. This is the Ray's Baseball Network.
0: WTAE St. Petersburg, W two Thirty Seven C W Pinellas Park, WBTP HD Three Clearwater, W two Twenty Four B E Brandon, and IHeart Radio Station.
4: We continue on this week in race baseball, and certainly one of the best stories from a race perspective this week and arguably to this season to this point is Brent Honeywell returning to the mound and pitching in a big league game, and he now joins us. Uh, Brent, first of all, uh, congratulations. You've had some time to think about it. Can you put in perspective what all of that meant to you?
5: Yeah, I've had a couple of days. Thanks for having me, Neil, always. It was it was definitely a good day. I think you know coming on this road trip for the little alternate site, you know, kind of give me a few days to just think about everything and just to continue to put right foot in front of the other and keep on moving. But, man, it was it was definitely a really good feeling. You know, it is still tough to put into words. You know, it was something that I have definitely always dreamed of. It's something that my family's always dreamed of, and I was glad that they got the chance to see me go back out there and pitch again.
4: Did it mean more to you, or did it mean more to your family, do you
5: think? You know, it's, that's a tough one to answer. I'm going to say me just because I'm the one who had to go through everything, but they were right there with me every step of the way, and uh, I couldn't have done it without them. I do know that they were they were extremely happy to see me back out there pitching because it's, it's definitely been a while since we've had some baseball to watch in the household with, with me playing. We've had nothing but history lessons, so it was good. It was good. I mean, my family was, was excited. My dad was really excited. My grandfolks were there, my aunt and uncle, my mom. It was definitely a good day for sure. That's pretty much all I can sum it up as.
4: A big question that came after it was how you were going to feel physically. How did you feel? Because it's a different intensity. You're facing the Yankees, the Tropicana Field, in your first big league game. I know how much that meant. After all that had happened, how'd you feel in the days after?
5: It was good. You know, I, I kind of woke up the next morning expecting to be a little more sore than I than I have been because, like I said, it was just a. I mean, it was a game that counted, and it was it was by far the biggest game of my life because I wanted to do nothing other than go out there and, and do what I did. But you definitely can't simulate it. You know, lobby, P's, games, inter-squads, whatever. This, this, All this COVID's been tough for everyone. You know, us having to play our, our own team, us seeing one another every day, uh, playing against one another every single day. You kind of want to fall into a lull, but you can't. But then you, you also can't simulate that or, you know, a game that actually counts as right now. And, man, I, I, I woke up. I'm, I'm pretty sure I woke up feeling a little better because of how I performed honestly i, I that's kind of how it works to me. It was good. It was good. I made a uh I made a start on five days this week, which was yesterday. so everything's all good. so everything's been on six day. I think we moved to five day. so everything everything's good. recovery I'm recovering really well
4: well and you and that's great to hear and you mentioned you can't simulate it. I mean, Simulating facing Judge and Stanton, no matter who you're facing, whether it's your own guys or somebody else, is not something you can simulate.
5: Right, it's not. And I think you know, it was, I took into the game what I wanted to do, and I, and as cut and dry as it sounds, you know, I just I just wanted to make sure that I was executing what I was trying to do, and I was able to do that, and I was able to do that at a at an intensity that I don't think I've been at, and and that I know I haven't been at in three years, and waking up feeling. Feeling better the next day and feeling like I can throw in, a, in the next couple of days after it was that was a big step forward for me because you know it used to be especially after the last one you know I, I would throw and I'd get pretty sore and kind of just try and figure out how to get through it but everything kind of happens for a reason and, and here we are you know I'm feeling good about it I'm taking the ball when they tell, when they give me the ball that's really all I can ask for right now
4: I think the most impressive thing at least watching you, was how much poise you had considering everything that you had gone through. Was there anything about the event that surprised you in terms of the way you handled it?
5: Not really. Like I said, I mean, I just I just have to execute what I want to do and, you know, throw the ball over the plate, not necessarily change anything or do anything different or really reach back for something else or, you know, do things out of the ordinary for me. I think it was it kind of just me telling myself, you know, go out there and, and, and just be who you are and jump back in the saddle like you never left and all the rest, the chips will fall how they may. And um, I trusted myself. I trust my pitching coaches. I trusted the trainers. This whole process was built on some trust. So I think it was a little bit easier for me to go out there and, and, and trust myself and, and trust my stuff and, you know, just talk with Kyle in the bullpen, you know, prior to the game. And he just says, listen, like you go out and you just do what you got to do. And and you're going to be walking off the field with, with, with good outcome. It's just what we do as pitchers. I think, you know, we, we can't allow something to get too big or we, we got to stay as even keel as possible. And that it's really helped me over, over the three years of, of not being able to do something, kind of having rains on me all the time for the last three years. And, you know, just kind of staying within yourself and, and just, you know, be who you are, be a good teammate and, and uh, let these guys make plays behind us. Kyle, Kyle told me though, he, uh, He said, just make sure you take it in. Just make sure you take in for what's actually going on. Take a second before the game. Do what you got to do, but you just make sure that, you know, you you let yourself know that this is your major league debut and you only get one of them. And I did. I did before I got on the mound and started throwing warm-up pitches, and that's kind of when it was like, you know what? Time to jump back in the saddle, and here we go.
4: What memento, if anything, do you have from uh, the debut?
5: I got my first pitch, jersey, first strikeout. I mean, just the momentum that I like the most is, you know, I, I achieved something that that was, you know, it was trying, it was trying to get away from me, but I didn't let it. I stuck with it. I stayed the course, and I can, I can tell my, I can tell my friends back home. I can tell my my family. You know, I've, I'm a major leaguer. I did it, but I'm not done doing it. So I kind of don't like to say that. But you know, I not only do I want to pitch. You know, I mean, you know me, Neil. I, I want to pitch for a long time. And it was good to be back out on the bump feeling good and, you know, given the opportunity to, to do what I did the other day.
4: I think what was most touching after is the way you pay tribute to Paul Harker. What did he mean to you through this process and what has he meant?
5: That's also hard to say. Tough to put into words. He definitely cares about each and every one of us in the clubhouse. He definitely took a lot of time out of his, out of his days and, and his, his life, especially during COVID. You know, he could have been at home. Spending it with his family, but we got to work, and I, I want, I made sure to tell him every day, and he made sure to tell me every day. Like this is, we're we're gonna get to the bigs, we're gonna get to the big leagues, and we're gonna pitch. And I owe a lot to that man. He's one of a kind. He's very thought out. He's very structured in what he likes to do, and he runs a he runs a a, a stern a pretty stern ship. So that was a big help to me. You know, even the whole training staff, my teammates. You know, they they played parts. They they had a hand in it. That you know, I, they might not even know. You know, I'm I'm forever grateful for for my teammates and especially Hark and the training staff and, and the organization for that because, you know, it's easy it's easy to kind of, you know, hang back and, and just kinda let everything play out. But no, there was I was definitely up at the at the at the front of their everybody's agenda and, and you know, I can't thank those guys enough.
4: Going forward, you actually got to pitch, as you mentioned this week in another game and you're facing another jersey, how much do you think that helps you and the rest of the guys at the alternate site right now before a minor league season begins?
5: Well, you know, I don't really know how many other clubs are doing that. So I think we're kind of a step ahead there. I've talked to a couple of guys. I don't think that they're doing anything like that. I think they're still throwing lobby peas and stuff like that. But it's definitely any time we can get on the field against someone else, especially right now. Is uh is is a is a plus to me. Really figuring out how the protocols are going to work in the minor leagues, being on the road, you know, we we got to do everything the right way, and, and and you know Brady Brady's been pretty good about it down here. He's kept a, he's kept us going, he's kept us playing, and you know I think it's he wants us to play against other guys too and other teams, and you know it's it's definitely a big help to us. You know, like I said earlier, you know you kind of see the same arms, you know, from our squad. And we go up an in inner squad and, you know, we continue to do that. You know, Nate Lowe, for instance, Nate Lowe has quite a bit of at-bats off of guys in our, in our club. So it's definitely a big deal for, for the pitchers and it's definitely a big deal for, for the hitters if you get in front of someone else.
4: Well, we hope uh, it's not long before we see you, you back in front of big league hitters again uh, for the Rays and we congratulate you on what you did this past week and hopefully many more uh, great moments to come.
5: I appreciate it, Neil. Thanks for having me, as as
4: always. And that's Brent Honeywell. Great stuff with him. And coming up, you'll hear from Justin Sua, plus from the Blue Jays broadcast team, Ben Wagner. We'll do that in a moment. Thanks for listening. This is This Week in Race Baseball on the Race Baseball Network. We continue right now on This Week in Race Baseball, and joining us is the head of mental performance for the Rays and Justin Sua. And, Justin, a lot has changed since the end of the World Series last year, but there's still a lot that hasn't changed. So from your standpoint... What's the biggest difference in terms of dealing with the COVID protocols and and trying to assist players?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, to your point, there have been a, a lot of changes that have happened. And I think one of the biggest differences is just our tolerance for uncertainty. I think knowing going through an entire season, having done what we've done at the level at which we have done it, going to the World Series, despite the protocol change, despite having no fans, now coming into the season saying, Okay, we've been through the ringer, we've overcome some adversity before. And I think there's a, a, a heightened sense of resilience, a heightened sense of we can overcome anything that's thrown at us. We've done it before and let's let's do it again. And so I think that's uh although we would like it to be things to be lifted, I like the road to be a little bit easier, but we learned last season and that, um, that the players and the coaching staff can work together to overcome any friction that might be thrown away.
4: You know, there is um, so much that folks are still dealing with as you know, is, is we try and work our way out of this. And a lot of it has to do with isolation. Do you have more conversations with players now than let's say when you first took this job?
0: Yes, I think it's just a byproduct of uh, of proximity, number one, and number two, just a deeper relationships. I think whether it be my role or uh, strength and conditioning or, or anyone, if you're around people for a longer time, you get more comfortable, you're able to be more vulnerable, you're able to be more open, and, and we have a experience where we're all together away from our families or going through it together. So, so yes, uh, uh, we are, uh, it's a combination of going through what we did together combined with just sheer uh, just the volume of of just how how long we've been together that's just been just kind of opened up uh comfortability to be able to, to to discuss topics that you usually don't don't talk about with just someone who you're not very comfortable with
4: and and that said there is always going to be turnover on a raised roster so is it harder to get to know players in the midst of all the protocols that are new to the organization and how
0: do you break that wall down? Yeah, well, I think it it is, it definitely comes with obstacles, but I think because the way that Kevin Cash and company, and just, and, and Kevin would say that the entire organization uh, the what we do, it, how open we are, how 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 much fun we have, how close we are, which is the core group, it makes it very easy for anyone who ever comes in to transition. Uh, they're more open to connect and to be themselves because they can see everyone as being themselves. And so Yes, it's a little bit more difficult with masks. Yes, it's a little bit more difficult with the way the layout of, of spring training with, with not seeing each other too often, being in the same clubhouse like normal. However, because of the way our culture is, this uh, this focus on being a great teammate, this focus on working hard, um, it just it, it makes it a lot easier it streams it streamlines that process it makes it a lot easier especially with the core group that's here the the clubhouse is so strong and the the established relationships are so good and so tight that anyone who comes into this organization they're able to be the best versions of themselves they're able to lighten up and to and to be their best selves because they look at everybody else around them those who are more established here and they say wow they can do it so can i and so i just think it's a combination of uh the staff and the players just making an easy conversation easy for anyone from the outside to come in and to be comfortable
4: Before all this happened, I remember you doing, you know, segments on the field or or speeches to the group, you know, kind of a a minute. Have you had to adapt your message at all, Um, be it in video form or other or other ways to make sure that you get a message out to the group?
0: Yeah. So we had to get creative. Yeah. It forced us to constraints breeds creativity. And as a result, we didn't have meetings, and so you had to figure it out. So that's where we really turned to the use of technology and uh, continue to try to provide value to the players uh, through the use of technology, uh, whether it be text messages or or group messages on text, uh, and then really leaning into the one-on-one uh, training with players as well. But now that we're back and we're starting to, to integrate, once again, some mental minutes uh, from time to time, but uh, always doing it, everything within moderation, not trying to come in and have a, a mental minute every single time but what's appropriate what's needed i'll get a feel for it and and consult with the coaching staff as well and uh now we'll, we'll kind of do it together but yes uh it was we had to get very creative last season uh with with the use of technology
4: and and this year you've got you know uh you had expanded the staff before all this happened too correct through, through the minor league side how do you integrate them now when these guys have been out of baseball for a season in many cases and haven't had a year on the field
0: That is a great question. Yeah, after our few seasons here, Eric, Neander, Carlos, Pete and company, and and the leadership in the minor league level said, you know what, this is uh, the mental performance side is important. Let's create an entire department. And uh, it has been amazing to see, uh, just to see the all around collaboration and promotion of the mental performance department. And in my opinion, the timing couldn't have been better because the group comes in and through a lot of Zoom, through a lot of phone calls. and then. And once again, working alongside the coordinators and the staff and the medical team and the strength and conditioning team, Uh, they welcomed the the four new practitioners with open arms. They got right to work and uh, it has been neat to see them provide value. Even without even knowing the players and without knowing the staff, just the organization, the, the staff did an amazing job of providing space for the mental performance side to be able to work alongside every other department to, uh, to, to provide the best value to the players.
4: I would imagine for most of them, those newer staff members, they're dealing with different challenges than the ones you have because a lot of these guys didn't have a season. They may be dealing with stuff at home because they're still at home. Until they got to minor league spring training this year, how much of your discussions is divided between on-field and off-field, especially with the challenges of a pandemic?
0: Yes, that is a great distinction. We are we are so grateful. We work uh, uh, lockstep with Vince Lodato, who is our EAP, who is. Who is a trained uh, practitioner uh, to to help with the off-field stuff, and so working in conjunction with him uh, just shows a united front. Shows that hey, we have the resources with the Rays to help you both on the field and off the field, and uh, and that was something um, under the under the umbrella and with the help of, of of Vince to give us some ideas and give us some some context and some research and some things to look for to. Uh, from the behavioral health side, from the mental, from the psych- psychological side, the mental health side. Uh, he really spearheaded the messaging behind that and, and helped both our end and the coaches and the medical staff on how to help players navigate that. So yeah, it was uh, definitely a team effort. And uh, we're grateful for just uh, so many different people just doing their best to 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 help where we can.
4: And what do you think will be the greatest challenge on the mental performance side going from 60 games back to 160 or for some players from almost zero games to 160.
0: Yes, I think that's it. It's, it's the, the unknown. So last season 2020 was unknown. We had, It was unprecedented. We had never experienced something like that. Now you can say that this season is ex- is the same in the sense that we have never experienced a full season after a pandemic, and so uh, we, we're we're primed for that. We're aware of that. We're we're paying attention to to our our mind our mindsets, our approach. Uh, players are paying attention to their body and noticing the 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 sports science department They're paying attention to workload. The staff. We're all heightened awareness to say, okay, where. How is this going to look, and how can we prepare ourselves? How can we be ahead of the curve? And players, at the same time, uh, they as well are. It's almost there's an excitement, there's a freshness, there's a positive, there's high expectations, and and at the same time, there is a is a heightened desire to prepare their minds to be able to slow the game down, to practice mindfulness, to practice breathing and being positive uh, and, and, and learning how to navigate the unknown as we move into the season. Uh, that has been a very uh, a top topic of discussion um, around the clubhouse.
4: And Justin, with the restrictions in place, do you get to do... As much in person as you did in the past, and is it more at home or on the road or a combination? What's what's the kind of travel
0: situation for you? It is the same. I am uh, fortunate to be be part of uh, continue to be part of the traveling party. Um, So last season, I was I was in the bubble. I was with the team every day, and uh, the same holds true for here. But uh, going back to the beginning of our conversation, due to the the depth of relationships after three going into the third or being in the middle of my third season with the Rays. The deeper your relationships are, the more conversations you have, the more trust there is, and um, and so yes, I find myself uh, a lot more busy the uh, year three than I was in year one when people are trying to not only figure out mental performance but figure out who is this guy, who, who's this guy walking around the the clubhouse. And so it's uh, year three is, in my opinion, a lot uh, a lot better in terms of deeper relationships, which makes it easier to get get right to work.
4: Well, obviously uh, a lot of work I'm sure that will be done during the course of the year. Continued success. Keep up the good work and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks a lot, Neil. Appreciate you.
4: And that is the Rays head of mental performance in Justin Sua. Really good stuff from him. Of course, the Rays closing out a series with the Yankees today, then on to Kansas city before they come home to take on the blue Jays. That's their next home opponent. So with that, we chat with a good friend of the show, that being a a broadcaster with the blue Jays in Ben Wagner, Ben, thanks very much for a few minutes.
1: Absolutely. Neil. Great to talk with you.
4: This has been just like the Rays. I I would, It seems to be from the outside uh, a very uneven start with a lot of injuries.
1: Well, absolutely. And the injuries start from back before opening day when you look at the guys that are as big as George Springer to more recently with high leverage guys like uh, David Phelps taking a ball off the back and the surprising news about Jordan Romano. I mean, guys that you would expect this Blue Jays team to be relying on heavy. It's It's been an unfortunate last week, everything from baseball injury to obviously the concerns with the pandemic and Teoscar Hernandez landing on the COVID protocol and having to land in quarantine.
4: Which of the losses, Ben, do you think has been the biggest for the group? And maybe who's been the biggest surprise in terms of filling
1: in? That'd be a great question, because I think if you look at it right away, you would think, wow, this lineup without George Springer, it's going to be without one of its big, potent bats. And that is also true. But Marcus Simeon has been in the leadoff spot. You know he can hit for pop. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been an increasing success, uh, all from the start of spring, carry through spring training, and then to the start of the year. So I relied so much on the pitching staff to surprise me and really put a lot of stock into making an impact with this ball club. And I thought at the beginning, whether or not Kirby Yates was going to be part of this plan or not, I thought the biggest three outs of a ball game would belong into the hands of Jordan Romano, whether they were the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and even at times, yes, the ninth, depending on how things were shaking out. I thought Jordan Romano would be tasked to be getting the biggest outs in the highest leverage situations. So... That's the biggest blow, in my opinion, to the injury front, offense or defense. And then the biggest surprise, which you asked me about, has got to be the stability of the left-handers. Hinjun Ryu looks sharper than he has as a Blue Jay. And then the emergence of Robbie Ray and Steven Matz. Steven Matz goes out and again was dazzling in the opening game of the the doubleheader in Kansas City. And Robbie Ray is teed up to throw the finale against the Royals as well. So, Those three lefties, which I put a lot of stock in, maybe be the most important three members of spring training. They have not. They have not disappointed whatsoever.
4: At this point, the three teams that everyone expects to contend in the division uh, are all under 500. It's the Red Sox that lead the division. Is there? A concern in Toronto at all regarding the Blue Jays' start, or is it a feeling of just stay in striking distance until guys get healthy?
1: Well, I think the, the struggling New York Yankees, thank you to the Tampa Bay Rays, have lessened the concern of where the Blue Jays' urgency, urgency lies, only because I don't think that there was much, much expectation without George Springer for the big power numbers in the combination of Springer, Simeon, Bichette, Guerrero, Hernandez at the top four or five in the makeup of this batting order. So now that there's not anybody surging right ahead, I don't think that there's this this, oh my goodness panic mode that's happening in Toronto right now. I really don't. Uh, The fact that knowing there are so many head-to-head games left with new york have yet to see tampa bay have yet to see baltimore have yet to see boston all these teams right that'll be in different scenarios because you might be playing in ultimately three different venues let alone two different venues for the majority of those teams in slash buffalo i think the blue jays are in a relatively uncomfortable situation but not feeling terrible about themselves.
4: Did going through last year, do you think it helps this group go through it again?
1: Undeniably. And you can talk to not only the people that were part of the Buffalo, wait and see what happens. We're gonna be homeless for this year. Like the Bo who said, the mental strain of all of that was much bigger looking back at last year than what he ever would have thought it would have been and the struggles that he had and realization that he had during the offseason kind of self-reflecting to the guys that were outside the organization, like Ross Stripling, who had to go through the majority of it with two different organizations, but for the bulk, you know, it's spent with Los Angeles and then how Marcus Simeon had to navigate it through the shutdown, the injury and then the preparation and then kind of the disappointment of not being successful as a player because of all that last year with Oakland, the Blue Jays individually had so many obstacles thrown at them, let alone what the team has had thrown at them. Uh, They are much better prepared and I think much deeper in terms of connecting with teammates on how did you handle certain situations in this scenario, whether it's mental or whether it's physical, uh, than what they would have been a year ago.
4: Big picture, long-term situation for the Blue Jays in terms of this season. Would there be more concern about depth on the relief side with the injuries they've had or more concern with the starting pitching since guys like Ryu traditionally have not been able to give a team 30
1: starts. You know, I think that I think even with those glaring moments, right, with Hendren Ryu, you've got Robbie Ray, you've had Steven Matz, they've all have had up and down careers, right? With injury specifically, my my big concern is looking at the present. Where does the Blue Jays current status in terms of depth lie in the bullpen? Because the bullpen to me Guys that have been in high leverage situations, whether it be short term, long term, that's a glaring need for me because, you know, you thought Jordan Romano, David Phelps, Kirby Yates, um, Tyler Chatwood, all those guys, Rafael Dolis, there's the fifth one. Those guys would be able to stack up six, seven, eight, nine on a pretty frequent basis, and most of them being able to rely on going back to back. Julian Merriweather was kind of this question mark whether or not he would be an impact arm. And then he was, and then all of a sudden, guess what? We realized the durability question mark rears its ugly head automatically. And he's already on the injury list with an oblique issue and a low oblique issue on the landing leg as well on that left side. So. There are many more concerns because of the importance that the, the organization puts on high leverage innings and high leverage outs. Because of this, it's impacted the bullpen way more than I think that the rotation, even going back with prior to all these injuries, had been set up for. Because there was much more depth in terms of who would you want in a starting capacity or in a bulk inning capacity. There was bigger depth internally already for the Blue Jays once the season started.
4: Long-term, does that put some pressure on the offense to have to score more to cover, maybe?
1: Incredible pressure on the offense. Incredible pressure on the guys that even aren't part of this offense right now. Uh, you can point at Randall Gritchick and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and what they're able to do. And Bo Bichette's on a nice little run right now, and he's making a lot of contact. And there have been some surprises, like Josh Palacio, Santiago Espinel, Sure, it's nice, and it's a nice balance. But there is a ton of... A ton of pressure put on those other guys because there haven't been the bats of George Springer. There haven't been the bats of Teoscar Hernandez, who won the Silver Slugger a year ago.
4: Ben, good stuff. Thanks very much for a few minutes, and uh, we'll see you guys at Tropicana Field next weekend.
1: My pleasure, Neil. Always great to chat with you, and I look forward to visiting the TROP next weekend.
4: And that is Ben Wagner again of the Toronto Blue Jays broadcast team, and we certainly thank Ben and all of our guests today, including Joey Wendell as well as Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, Brent Honeywell on his Major League debut, Justin Sua joining us on mental performance. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me. Do so at Neil Solons. Hey, run, jog, walk, or roll with the Rays in May. With the Running with the Rays 5K, choose your route to run or walk a 5K and receive an AL Champs theme medal. All you have to do is visit RaysBaseball.com slash 5 k And there you can learn a little bit more. On our program next week, we will sit down with the guy who's opening today, that being Andrew Kittredge, about how he avoided Tommy John surgery and a whole lot more on the show coming up next week. Special thanks today to my producer extraordinaire, Tom Ponzo. I'm Neil Solons. It's the Rays and Yankees, last of three coming up. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.
0: Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball.
1: Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. On! And the Rays jump in front quarter one.
0: If you missed any of the show, catch it on Archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.